Well, hey, welcome to Propel Church. We are so excited that you're here today, and we believe that God has a very special thing in store for you. I don't know where you're watching from or when you're watching it, but here's what I do know. You're not watching this message by accident. My name is Nick Newman, lead pastor here at Propel Church, and I wanna say thank you. Thanks for spending time with us. Thanks for watching that video, and I would just encourage you to take the next 30 minutes and maybe turn your device off, not the one that you're watching this on, of course, but to just focus in. Maybe it's casting it to your TV or, or whatever you've got to do, but give God the next 25, 30 minutes of your undivided attention because this weekend we have something special in store for you. It's team teaching weekend here at Propel, which means that you have the opportunity from here to hear from multiple communicators. At Propel Church, we believe in raising up communicators to preach God's word with passion and authority. And so today, you're going to hear from five different communicators. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you right now to hit the share button to share this message with your friends. And as these people are delivering God's word, when they say something that resonates with you, Go ahead and drop a comment in the comment section. Hit the like button, amen. Type preach it and hit the share button again. We're just really excited and passionate about God's word. So without me talking for any longer, won't you help me welcome our first communicator for this morning, Kenya Ritzheimer. Come on. Well, good morning. My name is Kenya, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving here at Propel Church as our guest experience coordinator. And for a few moments this morning, I just want to talk with you guys about having patience in the process. I know patience isn't always an easy thing, and I can say that from a personal perspective, and I'm sure you can agree. But I think that patience is something very essential and very important in our lives. Patience is known as the ability to endure, to hold out, to bear up, and to persevere. And this morning, I'm going to be talking a little bit about a guy named Job. Job was known for his patience. He was a very wealthy man. He had a large family, lots of flocks and lots of stock. He had everything going for him. And God liked to describe Job as blameless. He was very careful to avoid doing evil. And he was known for his integrity. And one day, God was bragging about Satan, or to Satan about Job. And he, Satan wanted to test Job. And he said, I bet you if I take everything away from Job that you blessed him with, he won't praise you. So within a 24-hour span, Job had everything wiped from him. He had nothing. How often in our lives do we feel like Job? Maybe not everything's been wiped from us physically, but maybe it's mentally, emotionally, spiritually. We just feel maybe empty. Job 13, 15, it says, even though he would kill me, yet I will trust him. I will argue my ways to his face, yet I will trust him. He still trusted God when everything was going wrong. How often do we find ourselves responding like Job? Are we praising God when things aren't going the way that you planned? Are you patient in trusting the process that God has you going through right now? And remembering that his ways are better than our own. Galatians 6, 9, it says, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We can't become weary in doing good. Sometimes it is really tiring to do what's right and to keep pushing on. But we can't give up because God has called us to better things. And we have to trust the process and that where he has us is better than where we could be on our own. The first point I have for you this morning is be patient in the process. 
We have to be patient with the process that God has us going through. Because this process that we're going through right now is creating the product that God had intended from the very beginning. In Job 42.10, it says, After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. Can we just take a minute? The Lord gave him twice as much as he had before. Could you imagine if you had twice as much as you have right now? You would probably have so much stuff you wouldn't even know what to do with it. The second point I have is patience now will prosper later. In the story of Job, Job was blessed for his endurance, for his patience when things weren't going right. When things were crumbling before him, he was patient. He was praising God in the valleys and on the mountains. He was still patient and trusting him. We must do as Job did. When life's coming at us in every angle, it's not going to be easy. In all kinds of different forms, we have to praise him and we have to trust him and know that his ways are better than our own because he will bless us just like he blessed him if we're patient. Like the last part of Galatians 6, 9, it says, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. This process that we're going through right now, we're reaping a harvest. And there's going to be an outcome to it. It may not seem like there is, and you may not be able to see the end, but I promise that it's going to be worth it. And we're going to reap a harvest greater than we could ever imagine if we just don't give up. And patience isn't always easy, but I promise you it's always significant. Good morning. My name is Jim Ayers, and today I have a word for you on perseverance. Over the past month, I've been reading in the book of James, and I know what you might be thinking. If it's taken me a month to read in the book of James, I'm probably a pretty slow reader. You're right. I'm not going to argue with that. But nonetheless, there's a lot of really good information in the book of James. If you've got your Bibles with you, let's go ahead and open it up to James chapter 1, verse 12. There's two translations that I'd like to share with you today. The NIV says, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And the NLT says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. The NIV states that you are blessed when you persevere under trials. Now, don't make the mistake. You're not blessed because you go through a trial. You're blessed because you persevere through a trial. Let me repeat that. You are not blessed because you go through a trial, but you're blessed because you persevere through a trial. The NLT version refers to the word perseverance as patiently endure. When I read scripture, I I like to break down the definitions of words. It kind of gives me a deeper understanding of, of what they really mean. So when I look at the word patiently, it says, in a way that shows tolerance of delays, problems or suffering, without becoming annoyed or anxious. And endure says to suffer something painful or difficult, patiently. So when broken down, this isn't referring to when you're on your way home from work one day and somebody cuts you off in traffic and you really tested your patience by not yelling out some choice words out the window at them. Or it's not talking about waking up in the morning and feeling super tempted to check your Facebook or Instagram feed instead of getting into the word, but you resisted. That's great and that's awesome. But that's not what James is referring to. Imagine you just lost your job. You're getting behind on your bills, and you're not really sure where your next meal is coming from. 
Imagine patiently enduring the situation. Imagine suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. Imagine one of your children is going down the wrong path in life. They're growing away from God. They're getting mixed up in drugs and alcohol. And you're feeling tempted yourself and just giving up on all hope. Maybe some of you have been here. Maybe some of you are there right now. This is when your true character is tested, when you patiently endure. Imagine suffering through this painful or difficult situation patiently. If you're taking notes today, remember, God is not surprised by the trials you're facing. I'm going to say that again. God is not surprised by the trials you're facing. He wants you to stay faithful as you endure difficulties. You can shift your mindset, and instead of considering yourself cursed or unlucky, consider yourself or declare that you are blessed when you choose to persevere through the trials. When trials come your way, think of them as an opportunity to experience all the blessings God has for you as you choose to persevere through them. James chapter 1, verse 12 continues by saying, And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. So when we persevere, God has a crown of life for us. See, I'm an athlete and a competitor. Actually, let me take that back. I used to be an athlete. Now I'm just a competitor. But I always think about how special it is to receive that winner's trophy after a competition that I've endured and fought through. And for me, it was soccer. And, uh, you know, could you imagine persevering through all your trials in life to receive that ultimate crown of life at the end? And I'm not talking about that YMCA type of medal or trophy that you get for just going through a trial. I'm talking about the ultimate that you get through persevering through a trial. But it doesn't stop there. The crown of life is for those who love God. The question is, how do we demonstrate our love for God? The Apostle John gives us answer in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. As his children, we keep his commandments out of delight, not duty. Obey him and always remain faithful, persevering through trials and tribulations. In doing so, we may receive the crown of life. I want to close by a quote by an American priest by the name of Walter Elliott. It says, perseverance is not a long race. It's many short races, one after another. So keep persevering. Keep running your race. You're going to go through trials. But know that God has great things for you. Thanks. Hi, everyone. I'm Whitney Carroll, and today I'd like to focus on perspective. As we've been following Pastor Nick and this series, Subject to Change, we've been able to dive deeper into God's Word and really understand how to overcome life's challenges. My question for you to consider this morning is how do you perceive failure when life doesn't go as you plan it? Perspective is everything. How we react to an obstacle thrown in our path reveals where our heart is and who has control of our heart. When life throws you a curveball, which it will, We must look above and just ask God for that clarity and guidance. We cannot do this life without him. The first point I have for you this morning, if you're taking notes, how we perceive our failure reveals how much we trust God with his plan and our purpose. When life doesn't go as we plan, how we react is revealing of our trust in the Lord and his plan for our life. Instead of viewing a setback as a disappointment, Change your perspective and consider that setback as an opportunity for something greater. 
God's not done working through you yet, and his plans are far beyond greater than what we have planned for ourselves. Amidst the panic and fear in our world currently, we must consider the opportunity to share the love and word of Jesus with others. Be the light in the darkness. Share kindness and peace with others. He is using this current situation, and we get to be a part of the outcome. Colossians 3.2 says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. As followers of Christ, we want to keep our minds and hearts focused on God. Our thoughts and actions should be out, out of life, grace, pure, gentle, not caught up in responding out of worldly sense of jealousy and anger or even caught up in the enjoyment of material things. Our happiness should be sought after and found in him, not in the material things of the world, which really only bring us temporary joy. In the Freedom Curriculum, Pastor Chris Hodges asks, did you know that you are a spiritual being having a temporary physical experience on earth rather than a physical being having a temporary spiritual experience? What an awesome reminder for us followers of Christ that our eternity is in heaven, so let's keep our hearts and minds focused on him. The next point I have for you this morning is Jesus is greater than our circumstance. Fixing our eyes on our Savior leads to comfort and peace. Seek wisdom from God when life is uncertain. He already knows the outcome and will guide you through life's challenges. Recently, I read in a devotion that your future may look a little unclear, and that's really how it should be. Only God knows what our next steps are and what our future holds. It's really out of our control, no matter how hard we try to control things in our own way. For us type A personalities out there, not having a plan may seem chaotic in and of itself. Having plans isn't the problem. It's how we react when plans don't go the way that we expect. We must remember that God's plan is way better than our own. I'll close with this. Peace is experienced when we put it all in God's hands. Anxiety and worry are created in us when we feel like we have to figure everything out at once. I'll be the first to admit I can be an anxious person. I'm impatient without some knowledge or plans of my future, but I've seen and experienced how much easier it is to trust God and just surrender those worries. A few weeks ago in the message from Pastor Nick, failure isn't final. He explained the opposite of fear is courage. Through life's trials, we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the one who has overcome all. Our own plans and strength will never be enough. We must seek courage and strength by placing our hope and trust into Jesus. As Pastor Nick has stated before, what we may view as a temporary setback is actually a set up for something greater that God has planned. By simply changing that point of view, we can react in a much more positive manner and be grateful for God closing a door that maybe we wouldn't have on our own. Perspective is everything. In the current circumstances that the world is facing, let's adjust our views and really focus our hearts and minds on him. Right now, there's very little that groups of people can enjoy together, going to the movies, sports games, school, even church. Instead of viewing that as a disappointment for being engaged with others, let's view it as an opportunity to become more engaged with God. Lack of time is such an easy excuse not to dive into God's word, and he's giving that to us. Let's create new habits now that we can carry into our future. Let's commit to trusting God's plans over our own. Let's surrender the feelings of anxiousness and worry and allow God to fill us with his peace and comfort. Let's view setbacks as new opportunities, and let's set our minds on him, not on worldly things. Thank you. Hey, church, my name is Ryan Tartamella, and I'm so glad that you would have me here today. It's an honor to come to you digitally. Uh, super excited uh, to see the things that God is doing, both inside the church and outside the church. 
and uh, even more excited just to get to be a part of it. So with that said, let's jump right in. Um, today's message is going to be around process, uh, specifically uh, Philippians 1.6. Philippians 1.6, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So we're going to break this thing down into three sections. Part one, the verse reads, and I am certain. So if you've got a pencil and a Bible, go ahead and circle that word certain for me real quick. The author here is Paul, and, and that's important. We're going to come back to it here in a second, but, but right now let's focus on the certainty. Paul is, is, is certain. Well, 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 so what? Paul's a smart guy. He's probably certain of a lot of things. But it's not so much that Paul's certain. It's that Paul is certain in a time of uncertainty. See, Paul is sitting imprisoned right now, quarantined maybe, and, and, and he's awaiting a decision as to whether or not he'll live or die. Paul is uncertain of an outcome, but he finds rest in God's certainty. Second part of this verse is the what. What is Paul so certain of? Well, Paul is certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished. How can Paul possibly be so certain? Well, Paul's a subject matter expert. One doesn't become a subject matter expert with, with certificates or degrees. Those are great, and they get you in the door. To be a subject matter expert, you've got to have a life experience. And boy, does Paul got it, right? Paul's been beaten, he's been flogged, he's been stoned, and he's been shipwrecked. And those are all really cool stories to tell at the tabernacle. But the coolest one, Acts 9, Jesus literally blinds Paul at the beginning of his transition story, right? So... And hear me, because this is important. You and I lack the mental bandwidth to see like our Lord sees. Paul, then Saul, has been using his own eyes long enough, and Jesus finally says, you know what? It's my turn. We're so far removed from the big picture that sometimes faith is a requirement to get the good news. Third part here is the when. When is it finished? On the day that Christ Jesus returns. And guys, this, this is the best of news, right? Because it's an absolute concept. It's black and white. Assuming that Jesus hasn't shown up between the time that I'm recording this and the time that you're watching it, he isn't finished. It isn't finished. You know, it's funny. We, we use this word finished. It, it has no earthly application whatsoever. God it, it puts the definition. It, it, he gets to decide when we're finished. He gets to decide when it applies to us. Acts 16, and again, it's no coincidence that I'm here in Acts. In fact, quarantine homework assignment, get in Acts. Y'all been Instagramming hard. Tiger King will be there when you get back. Get in Acts. Acts 16, 22, 34. Cliff notes. Paul's had a pretty cummy day. He's, he's been beaten and he's, he's been imprisoned again. And he's singing his hymns and and an earthquake comes, and all the doors open up, right? And that's great. Paul boogies out of there, man. It's finished, right? Mm, no. The jailer wakes up, realizes that all the criminals are gone, and decides to end his life. Paul intervenes and not just saves this man from ending his life, but shows this man Jesus Christ. He saves this man. He spiritually frees this man. And he's done, right? He's not done. He's not done. See, Bible says that Paul goes to the household of the jailer that night and proceeds to spiritually free the entire household. Now, we got to assume that's a wife, 
maybe some parents, kids, kids, kids. We're talking generations, guys. He went from being imprisoned to saving generations of people through Jesus Christ. See, the only pandemic that's from God is a faith pandemic. The opposite of fear isn't faith, it's courage. Faith's the catalyst. Faith is the, is the reason for the courage. Without faith, there is no courage. Without courage, there is no storm. And without storm, there is no rescue. So trust the process. Be certain in the uncertainty. And try using God's eyes. Remove the word finish from your vocabulary because when you do, the focus will no longer be on the how and the why. How am I going to get through this? Why did God do this to me? But instead, it'll be on the what and the where. What is he trying to teach me? And where will I end up because of it? Thanks, guys. Good morning. How is everyone this morning? My name is Mike Moore, and I'm so excited to be here. And if it's okay with you, I'm diving right in. And so if you're ready, if you're excited, go ahead and hit the like and the share button, and we're going to jump right into this. Um, I want to begin uh, and really close our time tonight or, or to this morning talking about power. And, and really, depending on the context of the word, power can have two different meanings. Power can be the, the possession of, of um, authority or influence over others. And in terms of today's culture, we think that to have power, we have to take it or to earn it. In fact, some of us will, will seek after the authority or to have influence over others just to have a sense of purpose in our own life. In another context, power is the source or means of supplying energy. You have lights in your house right now and you're able to watch this video because you have power. But if a storm comes through and completely knocks the power out, it gets dark. So we have power in this place and you have power at your home, but it's not yours. The power comes from an external source that you just have access to. And when we talk about power and, and how it relates to the kingdom of God, it's a lot like this. We, we can experience God's power and we have access to God's power, but it's not ours, it's his. The question becomes, how do we get access to it? How do we tap in to God's power? Scripture tells us that that we should humble ourselves and serve others and to sacrifice our own needs and, and sacrifice our will to God. But the world screams the exact opposite. The world tells us that we should take control over things, that we should seek after our own authority and, and pursue our, our power to have a successful life. And don't get me wrong, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not, it's not a bad thing to be a go-getter and, and have a good job and, and have a successful life. Or it's not even a bad thing to you know, have authority over others. In fact, you should welcome the opportunity to influence others and to lead and mentor others. But don't boast in it. Don't think that it's yours and, and don't use it for your own good. When we look at um, what Paul teaches us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we learn some really cool things about this. So Paul is um, giving us this story or this account of this experience that he had the supernatural experience where he, he was um, in the presence of God in, in paradise. And so he, he experienced all these great things. He, he had these visions and these revelations that, that he heard that can't even be spoken again by man. And, and so more than anyone else, Paul had the ability and, and all of the right to boast about his experiences and this new sense of authority that he had um, through his experience with God. But he chose not to. He remained humble. And, and what I find interesting about the story is that, that Paul knew 
that if he boasted about his experience, other people would look at him and think that Paul thought that he was better than others or that people may would think that Paul experienced these things because of his own deeds. And so, so Paul was humble in that process, but, but we also see that Paul couldn't have remained humble on his own. He was weak, he was, he was a person just like you and I. Paul teaches us that he actually had this thorn that was given to him um, to help him, to prevent him from becoming proud in these moments. And so we recognize that Paul had this weakness and, and even with that weakness, Paul was begging God to, to have him to remove this thorn, this, this pain or this issue from his flesh. And, and this is where we, we pick up in 2 Corinthians 12, verse nine. Paul has just got done praying for the, the thorn to be removed and, and scripture says, um, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul continues by saying, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So God is saying, my grace, my power, and then Paul confirms that by saying, my weakness, God's power. Two things for us this morning. First thing is that we have to accept our weakness. See, a lot of us want to experience the supernatural power of God, but have a hard time accepting our weaknesses. This past, this past January, um, our church was doing our, our annual 21 days of prayer and fasting, and, and I, was, I was here in our auditorium, and um, one evening I was just sitting there, and I was praying, and I was worshiping, and in the moment, I just, I just heard the words, um, my power is made perfect in your weakness. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And at the moment, all I could do was, was laugh because the, you know, oftentimes the enemy will We'll try to use our weakness as a tool against us to get us down or depressed or frustrated with life. Um, and, and that's what the enemy was trying to do. And, and at that moment, the enemy was like, hey, you're, you're weak. You can't do this. You're not good enough. And, and I was like, hey, I know, but, but God is. And, and I've got the power of the Spirit running through me right now, so I'll accept my weakness because his power is made perfect in my weakness. Second thing is that we have to give God praise in our weakness. First, we accept it and then we give God praise in our weakness. And when we begin to give him praise in the middle of our weakness, we're, we're saying that we trust God in the middle of our circumstances, regardless of how bad things look. In the book of Acts, we see that Paul and Silas were in prison together, and scripture tells us that they were praying and singing, hymn, singing hymns to God. And, and they were praising his name in the midst of one of their most weakest and, and most vulnerable moments of their life. And, and in Acts 16, 26, it says, suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. When we praise God in our weakness, God can set us free. He can set us free from an addiction, free from worry, fear, or depression. We can recognize our weakness, we can give praise in our weakness, but that doesn't mean we have to stay in our weakness. First Peter 5, 6 um, if we go there, um, Peter is, is talking to the church elders and the people that sit under them, and he says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble, your, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. Exalt here means to, to lift up or to give honor. So when we humble ourselves, rather than boasting in what we can do on our own, we receive God's grace. It's that same grace that's sufficient for you and for me in our weakness. So when we humble ourselves, we accept our weakness and we give praise in our weakness. And at that time, or at, at the proper time, we're exalted. 
And, and I don't believe that God is gonna exalt us to this new uh, job or a career path just like that. No, 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 scripture teaches us to set our eyes on things that are above, not on things of this world. So I believe that when we're exalted in God's time, we're actually lifted up to be in a position that's, that brings us closer to God. It, it positions us to actually make a difference in his kingdom because now we have the power of the Holy Spirit running through us. And it's in those moments that we can experience the power of God in and through our lives. It's the same power that, that allowed Abraham to have a child in his old age. It's the power of God that allowed Moses to free his people and, and speak over people even though he had a stutter. It's the same power that, that allowed a shepherd boy to defeat a giant and become king over in all of Israel. God's power is enough to release you from your anxiety. God's power can bring you peace in the middle of your heartache. God's power can set you free from an addiction. God's grace is sufficient for you and for me, and his power is made perfect in our weakness. I'm getting fired up, y'all. I gotta breathe for a second. Um, I recognize that with, with many people watching that, that we're all in different areas in our walk with God. And, and some of us have maybe never really accepted what Jesus did for us on the cross, and so we don't have the experience or we don't have the opportunity to, to tap into the power of God that, that we've been talking about. And so maybe you've been um, you know, seeking after power and authority the way the, the world sees it, and you're finally realizing that, that you're missing out. There's, there's something missing, and so you want to look for something new. You're, you're seeking this power, this, this um, alternate source that, that only God can provide. Scripture tells us that if we, if we confess with our mouth that, Lord, that, that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we'll be saved. So this morning, you have the opportunity to start a relationship with God. And, and if you wanna go ahead and do that now, I wanna walk you through this prayer. You can say, dear Jesus, today I give you my life. Thank you for dying in my place. I put my hope and trust in you so that I can have a new life. In Jesus' name, amen.